and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. I'm Alex. And I am Aaron. And we are here with Sharon Lauren. And you're going to hear a little bit more from her in just a little bit when we learn about who Sharon is. Uh, She's joining us today as we continue to walk through Leviticus. And we are walking through this three-year Bible reading plan here at Messiah, also known as the Five Minutes a Day reading plan. And we're doing that because we want to grow up in our faith, but we believe Jesus also calls us to grow by talking about the things that we read in God's Word. And so that's why we are having this podcast and this discussion to encourage one another as we uh, struggle together in reading Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like I said, we have Sharon Lauren here with us today. And uh, Sharon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from? Where where I come from? from. I come from Houston. Ah. But more importantly than that, I come from a Christian family. My mom was the organist at our church when I was growing up. And so I was... I did when I was quite young. I don't anymore. Okay. Okay. Um, I look at organ music now and see that you have to use both hands and your feet. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, who can read all those notes at one time? Not this girl. Mm. So no, not anymore. Almost like an elliptical. Almost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Except you don't have to look at notes when you're writing an elliptical. Um, So I was in church a lot, um, have always enjoyed going to church. And I'm married, have two grown kids and a cat and a dog. And you also hold a special position here in the leadership of the church. What is it that you do? I am, I don't know if I'd call it special. I'm on the board of directors. We're all special to Jesus. (laughs) We're all special to Jesus. I think your position is special. I am on the board of directors. I serve as the recording secretary, which means I have to pay attention in the meetings and write down what we talk about. That's why that. That's a special, special gift because... I can't do that. You, you, I, well, I can pay I've attention. I've noticed you I dozing just, off. I, I don't. I, no, I pay attention. I just can't write Uh-oh. it all down. All right, we should probably You're get off of this topic. Out I am. Yeah, we should definitely move on. My uh, heavens. <laughs> today, we're going to cover the readings from March 21 mm-hmm. to March 27. And before we get into that, Sharon, I just want to ask you, your history as far as reading the Bible and stuff like that, is this something that you've like made a particular like? you know, day in, day out plan for your life, like for the all foreseeable history, or is this something that's new to you or something that you just tell us a little bit about like how, how this plays out in your life or has played out because we're, we're noticing that a lot of people just really, um, some people struggle with this, uh, making it a part of their day-to-day life. I would say that this is newish to me. Mm -hmm. I did years ago when Messiah did the Bible in a year. Oh, right. I did that at my former church. We did something called Crossways. Mm-hmm. It was Crossways. Mm-hmm. We went through the Bible with Crossways. I found that very interesting. But as far as making time to read the Bible mm-hmm. every day, that is something I struggle with. Yeah. And yeah. Um, in preparing for this episode, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it made me think, I, I like having all my books out and my Bible and my cross-reference materials mm-hmm. and my study guides. And I like going from book to book and looking at what different things say about it. And I just need to, as much as I enjoy it, I obviously need to make more time to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, and and I think it's great because, you know, we all have different personalities and some are going to love having all those books out and others are going to go, whoa, too many books, you know, and um, and to just kind of look at how everybody does it differently. Thanks for sharing that with us and thanks for doing all the work to prepare for today. Sure. All right. Where are we going, Pastor Alex? All right. Like I said before. (laughs) Yeah. I interrupted you. you. Yes, you did. 
But that's okay because it was good to hear from Sharon uh, the honesty and the vulnerability in that. Um, I think this podcast has helped me a lot in just, you know, diving into Scripture a little bit more. So today we are diving into our reading that go from March 21 to March 27, and conveniently they cover Leviticus 21 to Leviticus 27. All right, who wants to give a quick overview of what's going on in these chapters? Who wants to do it? We have a guest who prepared all of this, so yeah, let's have Sharon do this. Pick me, pick me, pick me. So basically, these, what, seven chapters are God speaking to the Israelites through Moses and instructing them how to live in his presence. Um, these chapters encompass rules for priests and sacrifices, the right. feasts that and festivals. And Alex, huh? That includes you and Alex, and right. boy, you have some stepping up to do. Oh. <laughs> um, the Sabbath years, the year of Jubilee, punishment for disobedience, laws about laws, laws about vows, a lot of laws. Yeah, okay. A lot of laws. A lot of laws. That's, that is kind of, you know, this is the last part of Leviticus, and as we've recorded for some of the previous chapters, uh, well, Leviticus means law, and that's kind of, yeah, that's a good name for this book. When, when I saw that I was reading, doing mine on Leviticus, I went, oh, oh boy, yippee. <laughs> <laughs> what stood out to you uh, as you were going through this reading? Was there anything in particular that... Um, just kind of stood out to you that you found really interesting as you were reading? Yes. The the concept of Sabbath. Okay. We talk mm. a lot, we hear a lot about on the Sabbath they rested. You know, you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. And that's a very common concept. This talked a lot about a Sabbath year mm. and a year of Jubilee. So the Sabbath year being every seventh year. And then after seven Sabbaths, there was the year of Jubilee. So you're getting those sevens in there that we were talking about. So, and to me, what what I found interesting about that is that the year of Sabbath and the year of Jubilee, especially since the year of Jubilee comes after the seventh Sabbath year. So it's like you're taking an entire year off from labor. And that to me is an incredible testament of faith. How, how do I know I'm going to have enough to live on, to feed my family, to clothe my children, if I'm not out there working? Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. that, um, that, was, that was huge to me. I, yeah. That was a, a huge testament of faith. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, maybe uh, think about for the future— um, in our discussion here, how that applies to us today and our American lives, like the this idea of Sabbath and really trusting um, God uh, with those, with the the um, trusting God to provide for us. Oh, yeah. so, huge! Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. I'm I'm getting on up there in years. Beginning oh, to, I'm on. getting on up there in years. I am. This is this is gray hair up here. Yeah, this is this. Uh, <laughs> so I'm. I'm starting to think about retirement, and I, you know, it's something you save for. It's something you plan for. But then the thought of actually stopping work mm-hmm. and living on your savings mm-hmm. is frightening, mm-hmm. and 
Bill and I, my husband and I have talked about it and he's, he's kind of freaked out. He gets a little freaked out that, you know, the 401k savings are in the stock market Mm -hmm. and it could plummet. Mm -hmm. And that's when we kind of start talking about faith. You're right. It could absolutely lose value tomorrow, but we have to, we've talked about that in the prayer session that we're having at church, the, the sermon series about Give us today our daily bread. Right. Yeah, and the right. fact that we do trust God to provide for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, p- a few people after that sermon come up to me and say, wow, your your sermon on daily bread was very timely, which means that next week I was tested on this, like thing got taken away from me, which you know, you're not sure your sermons want to hit that way necessarily all the time, but but it mm-hmm. is it is good for us to think about. So, Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned, you know, that how does this apply in our American culture? I think that, you know, we do have a unique American culture. Pull yourself this, up you by know, your bootstraps. Right, that, that this all kind of plays into. So I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit more as we yeah. move through this. Awesome. Um, I think something that stood out uh, to me in particular was that most feasts and, like, celebrations that uh, God ordered them to have had some kind of rest— some kind of offering, and some kind of assembly or gathering. Mm -hmm. So there is kind of a common uh, theme or order, I guess you could say, um, to these feasts or festivals that the Israelites are being commanded to celebrate throughout the year. And they kind of had a liturgical church year in a way. They did. Um, And we actually model our the idea of a church year off of that in a right. lot of ways. Yeah. Right. And what what I find interesting is always looking forward from these um, to the New Testament, where you'll see uh, Jesus or his disciples or something, they're coming into Jerusalem, and they were celebrating the Feast of Weeks, or they were celebrating the Feast of Booths. And if you look back and see what's going on there and why these were created and how they celebrated them, a lot of times some of the stuff that disciples or that Jesus is saying at the time correlates with or actually sometimes defies all of the actions that they're doing. And so when you come in uh, and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and it's the um, it's the Feast of, uh, of Weeks or the Feast of Booths, and Jesus starts saying things like, I am the bread of life, or I am the light of the world, or I am the water that you can drink from without price. And all of their rituals and rites are sh- showing that it is God who is light of the world, and it is God who is given the water. Jesus is saying, "I am God." You know, it's it's a pretty it's 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 staggering to see what he's doing in the in those conversations. So, but I've talked enough. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> Glad you yeah, agree. I, <laughs> sometimes I agree. I know you do. Sometimes I don't. Um, and also, uh, God is is very particular about um, having you know, animals that are given as offering or even food that's given as offering or even people that are given into the service for uh, God's sanctuary. Um, He's very particular about uh, those animals, that food, that creation being uh, free from blemish, free from, uh, I guess, any stain or imperfection. Yeah, any imperfection. And so it's kind of, I guess, that can seem kind of weird to us sometimes, but I think it reminds me of the fact that God really values his creation. He well, really values it to be in a, a good a good state. What did you gather from that, Sharon, as you were looking into it, that whole free from blemish idea for all those sacrifices and 
rites and rituals? I found it, I don't know, I wouldn't say strange because God is God and Mm -hmm. we want to bring him what is perfect. Mm -hmm. I thought it was also interesting because I think it spoke to our human nature in that, okay, if I'm going to take this as an offering and give it to God, that means I'm not going to have it anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Do I want to give him my most valuable thing, or do I want to give him something that I'm really not going to miss anyway? And God said, no, I want your most valuable thing. I want... I want what is perfect. And some of these will happen like right at the, be- the beginning of the harvest season. So he said, bring me your first fruits. First like, fruits. Um, what because- if I don't get any more? Exactly. No, I want your yeah. first. It's again, it speaks back to the faith. Very good. If I'm giving you the first fruits, I'm putting my trust in you that I will have second, second fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And always, you know, even with the children and the livestock, the firstborn is always mm-hmm. like a big, a big deal. This, this is what God wants wants our first because he wants us to trust him, like you say, for the second. Not that the second is less than or worse, but he wants us to trust him with what he's given us so that we can trust him with what he will give us too. Yeah, great, great point. I want to ask, how do we, in what ways do we today offer God our first fruits? Um, Do we do this today? Do we, um, are we uh, still acting out I guess, the principle behind uh, this idea of giving God our our best? Wow, (laughs) that's quite a question. I would say it depends on who you ask. Mm -hmm. I think there are many people who try very hard to tithe, to say 10% of every, or whatever percent they want to give, that, you know, they give... I will always give this amount to the church. I give it gladly. Um, there are people who think that's ridiculous. There are people who give last fruits because that's what they have left over. I think as a society, no. I, I think mm. as a society, people look at that very strangely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, that's one of the things we've been talking about is that as we talk through Leviticus, some of this stuff sets us apart as different. You know, the word consecrate comes up a whole bunch. And that's being set apart. And so to do things like that, that does look different than the rest of the world. You talked about, you know, from our American society or whatever, that does look different. That does set us apart, but it's not a bad kind of different. It's a good kind of different that, that is an example of what our, where our trust lies. Um, and, you know, first fruits that could be tithes and offerings, which I think personally yeah. it should be. But um, also, like, I think about it too. Like in the morning um, when I wake up, What's the first things that I'm going mm. to do? Like, am I going to, oh, I got to better get planning and get on my day and figure it all out? Or am I going to go, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my day. I'm going to just pray to you for a little bit here before I do anything else. Um, even if I wake up late and I'm running late or whatever, hey, got time for God first, right? Um, so I think giving him first as often as we can is a, is a kind of a sign of trust. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, the things that maybe concerned us when reading this or confused us while we were uh, reading this section of Leviticus. One part that gave me concern was, so Leviticus is all about these laws and rules and do this, don't do that. Here's why I want you to do this. Here are the things you have to do. Um, It's about living in God's presence. And he says, 
um, this wasn't in our particular reading, but earlier in the chapter, Leviticus 11.45 says, be holy because I am holy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And normal human people can't do that. I mean, not even Abby normal people can do that. I mean, it is just, it is quite literally impossible for us to be holy. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, and that's interesting that you bring that up because in, in the part that is in your reading uh, from in chapter 24, uh, it talks about an eye for an eye. Um, and that and a tooth for a tooth, and if you give an injury, you're going to get this injury back to you. This is part of this law. Jesus later quotes that in Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7 when he gives a sermon on the mount, and he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you the truth, and he starts changing. That's where he starts change, taking a lot of these laws that the Pharisees and some of these others have always kept, and Jesus says, oh, this is what you heard? Uh, guess what? We're taking it to the next step because you think you've been keeping this law, and you haven't, and he ends that that whole section of that sermon with be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect mm-hmm. and uh and yeah, that same. just brings mm-hmm. it all back to we can't right you know that's right. that's you just can't and a lot of times in uh, leviticus in the whole book uh, but also in this uh portion of our readings um god mentioned a few times i the lord sanctify you so it's god who does the making holy you know, it's only him that can do those things. And he's choosing to do those things through all of these uh, very physical, um, strict, sometimes laws. Um, and sometimes strict, sometimes strict. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, very specific, I guess that, mm-hmm. that would be a good word. But he, he's choosing to do the, the sanctifying through all of these things. But it's him that does the sanctifying. It's Jesus that makes us holy. Right, and through this, you know, from the Ten Commandments on, he's always showing us a picture of what perfection looks like. And the, and the idea is, all the way along, is you can't do this. You can't. Um, and, it, and Jesus even comes along and says, you think you're doing it? Let me just up it a little bit more so you know you can't do it, that it has to be me. It always points to Jesus being our salvation. As I read through this section, a couple of things that just stuck out to me is, I don't know, is they concerning or interesting? Um, but at the beginning when it talks about the priests and um, some of the stuff that they're supposed to do and not do and so on, one of them was um, like when a relative dies, like you're not supposed to go, you're not like other people can take care of them, but you only can take care of certain individuals in your family when they die because you are once again set apart as holy, consecrated as holy. And, and as I read this, I started thinking that, and I have to be careful how I say this because I think a lot of times as a pastor, I, I realize that there are certain things that I have to distance myself from as I minister to other people that um, in, in some cases my, the, what would normally be my normal reaction to a situation I have to put that aside in favor of ministering to other people and that's something that only God can give us and here he says the same thing there's gonna be people in your family that die and you're gonna have to just not be there right now you know you got other things other places that I need for you to be and places things ways I need for you to minister as that continued what I thought was really interesting chapter 21 verse um, uh, 10 and 11 it says the priest who is chief so the chief priest the priest who is chief among his brothers on whose head the anointing is poured and who has been consecrated to wear the garments shall not let the hair of his head hang loose no problem for me um, uh, or tear his clothes 
He shall not go with any dead body, etc. The priest shall not tear his clothes. If you fast forward to when Jesus is being tried and crucified, Caiaphas, the high priest, is trying to accuse him and trying to accuse him. And in Mark chapter 14, verses 60 through 65, it says that he asks him, you know, who are you? Are you, are you saying that you're the son of God? Are you saying the king? And Jesus confesses this. And Caiaphas, the high priest, tears his clothes right there. And and so all of the stuff that he's accusing against Jesus, Caiaphas himself isn't paying attention to the laws that were given either. And so I just thought that was an interesting point. Yeah, nice. Um, something that concerned me as I reflected on it personally, mm-hmm. but even, um, you know, on how we, the church, respond to, to this or act is... Uh, the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mm-hmm. thing. So like you said, Jesus says, uh, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I wonder if we get swept up too much in the culture of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Um, somebody wrongs us, and so we sue them back. Mm-hmm. Or um, somebody comes uh, to do harm, and so we harm them uh, to um, put them t- to justice or prevent them from doing any more harm. So I guess for me, I wonder, like, okay, is there a difference between justice, serving justice, and um you know, also, where, where do you have the, is there a balance? Uh, is there a difference between, you know, I need to serve justice, it needs to be served, and, uh, oh, I need to love this person or offer peace in the same way that Jesus calls me to. What's your um, thought on that, Sharon? There has to be a difference. Mm-hmm. There be, there's, I think, part of the difference, there's justice and there's vengeance. Ah. And the Bible pretty clearly states that vengeance belongs to God. Mm-hmm. But there's also, there is justice. So, or at least we need to strive for justice. We can never have perfect justice in this world because it is this world. But when when people do wrong, there has to be some sort of punishment mm-hmm. or justice isn't it funny to, how we even stumble over that word punishment? Kind yeah, of, we we don't want to uh, but, offend anybody. Yeah. I mean, but the Bible right. is. Pr- mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible laid out pretty clearly. There are some significant punishments. Oh, yeah, I mean, there hardcore. were the hardcore punishments. Yeah. I mean, and you can find a lot of them in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. It, it's so to to whom does justice belong? I mean, we've right. set up See, governments yeah. over ourselves. Mm-hmm that say, we're going to give this government the authority to put in jail those people who sell drugs or who murder people or who steal things. And that's, that is administered through laws mm-hmm. and regulations like Leviticus. It's not me going out and saying, you took my eye, I'm going to take yours from right, you. Right. And so acting out of justice instead of out of vengeance, like I'm just going to get you back. Justice is something, the way I see justice is if I'm going to apply justice, I'm applying it on behalf of or for someone else. Mm. For myself, um, I can I can forego justice 
all the time for myself. And God will never go, why didn't you get justice for that act against you? God will never go, well, you really loved too much in that situation. God will never, (laughs) ever, ever say that. So we can always err on that side. Does it mean we should never seek out justice for wrongs? No, but I don't think we're in danger of that either. (laughs) I think that will always be part of our nature. I think, um, and something that uh, has been talked about um, to me by uh, some mentors of mine is this idea that I think uh, in our society today, we, in a lot of ways, have a culture of contempt. Um, so we have we have contempt for mm. uh, those people who live very differently from the way that we do, or those people who uh, disagree or uh, believe uh you know, the opposite of what we believe or contempt for, um, you know, people across the world who, yes, they're doing really wrong thing. But I wonder if we're really loving our enemies right. the way that Jesus called us to. Um, I think I wonder that for myself a lot, uh, especially when I go online and, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I might get riled up by something or whatever it is never uh, read the comments below the article never, yeah. never read the comments <laughs> yeah. below the article yeah there's probably not a lot of loving your enemies um if you consider somebody an enemy jesus says love them well, I think if the you comments that don't frustrate, consider yeah. them an enemy jesus the comments says, love that them. frustrate me more are the ones that are like i'm a christian and let me tell you why you're an idiot you know it's like <laughs> oh man it's horrible yeah it's horrible so i think that's a worthy consideration uh, and really important for today is are we um, demonstrating the way of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, or are we demonstrating, I guess, the way of Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, more of a redeeming, a way of redeeming creation, a way of uh, being agents of restoration? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's just something that really struck me reading this uh, part of Leviticus. Yeah, so. yeah. I got nothing else. You got nothing else? All right. Well, let's talk about what gives us hope when we read these passages. So, Sharon, is there anything that gives you great hope uh, in these chapters? Pastor Aaron kind of talked, touched on it earlier. What gives me hope is the fact that we don't have to do this, that Mm. God recognized that we are not perfect. We cannot make ourselves holy that we rely completely on him. And so he sent Jesus and Jesus is the one who fulfilled all this for us because there's, there's just no way that, that we could do it. Um, the fact that, um, he fulfilled all this and ritual sacrifices aren't necessary anymore. Uh, One of the commentaries I read when I was doing this said that one of the reasons one of the points of the blood sacrifice was to remind the Israelites that the cost of sin was high. Yeah. It required the taking of a life. I mean, even if it's just in air quotes, right. an animal's life, a life was taken right. to repay this sin. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we don't have to do that anymore, that Christ died once for all, not just for all people, but for all sins. Right. And that is, I mean, it's, there is no greater hope. That's sure. just, that is, that was huge. Great. Great point. Yeah. And what Sharon's doing here is she's modeling for us uh, something that's really important to do whenever you read uh, Scripture, especially the Old Testament. She's pointing to Jesus. Um, if you're having trouble seeing Jesus in a passage, 
just go to him and and see how maybe he uh, fulfills mm-hmm. uh, all the laws. Or go to and Sharon the, and she'll help you. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> well, yeah. Or yeah, what, right. one place where I also <laughs> saw this is in uh, chapter 26 when it talks about the land having a Sabbath and you leave this land fallow and all this kind of stuff. And it talks about how if you... For those of you who are not obeying me and not listening to me, um, things are going to come and happen in those days that are going to you're going to be living in fear all the time and blah 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 blah. But then he says in verse forty, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their treachery that they committed to me also in walking contrary to me so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies and if in their uncircumcised hearts they are humbled and they make amends for their iniquity I will remember my covenant I will remember my covenant with Jacob and with Isaac and with Abraham and I will remember the land and so what what that points me to too is New Testament Jesus always says uh, and, and and the epistle writers too say um if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins. And so it's never, ever, even from the very beginning, it's never been about us being able to keep the law. It's about us remembering that we can't keep the law. We confess it. We recognize, like you say, the blood sacrifice for it. And now the blood sacrifice is just a new blood sacrifice. It's the Jesus once and for all sacrifice. And uh, that's That's a a really good point. I like that, that it's not... That's really great. It's not about, well, I mean, it kind of is about being perfect, but it's it's recognizing that we can't, right? and that's okay. We just need to confess our unrighteousness mm-hmm. and accept his forgiveness. Right. I like that. Yeah, and he gives us all of his righteousness uh, in Jesus. It, it, even in Leviticus, it, you know, these punishments that he, you know, Pretty severe. With are really, really severe, but they're really severe for a reason because God wants to be in the presence of his people. And you talked a lot at the beginning, Sharon, about um, this theme of being in God's presence in the book of Leviticus. Um, but it's, uh, the punishments are severe so that they will recognize what they're doing is not good at all, that it's really bad, and that they would turn to turn God away. and uh he would make them clean and be able to be with his people because that's mm-hmm. what he wants in the whole thing. That's why he's he's, he's giving all these severe punishment because right. he wants people to turn to him. And that's kind of that that kind of gives hope too yeah. that God cares enough about us that he wants us in his presence. I mean, God, the creator of the <laughs> universe, wants, wants us to hang out with us. That's yeah. pretty cool. He's slumming, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd see it that way. But. No, I don't think he would either. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and we will be right back after this. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to jump in to the part where we talk about if we did any deeper digging into some of the uh, concepts or terms or ideas that uh, we find in Leviticus. We've already 21. dug pretty deep today, so uh, yeah. I don't know. What you have anything else, Sharon, that would kind of get us there? The the part that I chose to dig deeper into was the all the festivals. Mm-hmm. I've always found those very interesting. Um, the the rules for them, the fact that there seem to be so many of them, 
there sure was an awful lot of work behind them. Right. It's not just take a week off and have fun. There was <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of preparation. I'm sure most of it fell to the women. So my, wow. my hearts go out to them about all the work. But something I found was interesting was, you know, we talked earlier about sevens and, right. and all the sevens, you know, seven days, seven years, seven weeks between Passover and Pentecost. The seventh month was special. It mm-hmm. had three of the feasts in it, yeah. three festivals. And right. I thought, I mean, I just thought that was very interesting that, right. that, that there are three in one month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What feast and festivals can you think of that we celebrate in the church today? Well, we sort of celebrate Passover yeah. because okay. that's, that's when we, that's when we celebrate the institution of the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, it's heavy in Lent. Right. Um, I yeesh. What would you liken to our Day of Atonement? And that's what I was trying to think of with okay. the the Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement. Um, we do that every Sunday in confession. Yeah, I don't know that we don't have like a day that I can think of that is the Day of Atonement. Do I we? don't know. What do you think, Pastor Alex? What about Good Friday and Easter? I was I was thinking Good Friday. I was thinking Good Friday could possibly because okay. you're okay. putting the sins of the whole yeah. world, world on, on one Christ. sacrificial right. that gets sent out to the wilderness and scapegoated. And I think about a week before um, the Day of Atonement was the Feast of the Trumpets, and the trumpets that was like a one day feast or whatever. And so the trumpet would sound at the beginning of the day to uh, signify it's the feast day, uh, the feast of trumpets. And I kind of thought that was similar to Palm Sunday. Oh, so okay. Palm Sunday is kind of like we shout Hosanna, Hosanna, and it kind of prepares us for Holy Week. And we get to like Good Friday, which is kind of similar to the Day of Atonement. And then Easter is kind of like the year of Jubilee. It is, but you it is are a jubilation. Right. And, and when you say like, you know, we basically do this every Sunday. And some people may know this, some people may not, but the reason why we celebrate while we uh, have church on Sundays most of the time is because a s- Sunday is when when Jesus, Christ rose. When Christ rose, exactly, and so that's in a way our new Sabbath day. But we remember that that uh, kind of that his proclaiming freedom, that jubilee. Mm-hmm. Um, we that talk about rejoicing. that that every Sunday is like a mini Easter. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and when you look at the Feast of Booths that came after. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets that you're talking about, and then the Day of Atonement. Then a little bit later comes the Feast of Booths. And it says, And you shall take on the first day the fruit of the splendid trees, the branches of palm trees, and boughs of the leafy trees. I wonder that if Jesus is coming in, like you said, on the Feast of Trumpets kind of time frame, um, and this might be one of the reasons that all the Pharisees and everybody gets so upset at people waving these palm branches and stuff as he's coming in, because it says you're supposed to wave them before the Lord your God for seven days. And here comes Jesus, and they start this celebration early. Like, they're mm. kind of, I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, but, mm. yeah, yeah, that is interesting. And uh, something else I found interesting was that the year of Jubilee is only referenced in Leviticus, uh, I, I believe. Hmm. And um, it's not referenced in any of the other historical accounts. And so I do wonder, 
um, how long it went on. Like, how long was it before the <laughs> before year of Jubilee? Like, this is too hard. <laughs> oh, before man. Before the year of Jubilee just kind of faded out because I think at some point it really did because uh, the Israelites were exiled to and spread out across uh, different lands and foreign countries. And I wonder if they kind of lost a lot of mm. um, these kind of festivals oh, or wouldn't be surprising yeah. i mean one of the things about the the year of jubilee was like you know the forgiving the debt letting the land return to <clears> its <throat> owners who wants to do that right. i you know i right. bought it right. it's mine right so right. i can imagine that one fading away yeah um so now we get to jump into how uh, these things are important for our lives today so uh aaron do you have anything that uh, you want to jump into well, again, we've, we've talked about a lot of the practical application already and looking at these, uh, looking at the way these transfer and translate onto Jesus and what the New Testament has to say for us in our lives. I think, once again, the idea of us setting ourselves apart, us not looking necessarily like the rest, not to set ourselves apart and say, look how good we are, but to set ourselves apart in humility and um, be able to say, yeah, I'm I'm not going to take vengeance. I'm not going to do the eye for eye thing. I'm not going to, uh, I am going to give my first fruits away, even though I'm not sure second fruits are coming because I trust God. To, it's, for me, that's a much a practical application for us as Christians today. Okay, awesome. Uh, Sharon, uh, what do you think? What is, um, how is Leviticus 21 to 27 important for our lives today as Christians? One of the things that, struck me about it in setting out all the rules for life mm -hmm. is that it wasn't about making our lives difficult. Mm -hmm. It was about being joyful to be in God's presence. Wow. Yeah. And that we're a life dedicated to God does not mean a life of mindlessly following arcane rules and not having any fun. It's about being able to be with God and that it's a, a hopeful, a joyful and a, a satisfying way of living that you, you are living according to God's original purpose. Right. And as difficult as that may be, he gives us the tools to do it. And the, yeah. you know, we've talked about all that, you know, turn and repent and be closer to him and right. that that's, that's what he wants. Yeah, I think that's that's good that you bring that up. And you have mentioned the idea of Sabbath rest at the beginning of our conversation today as well. And and I think um, the Israelites, they would have been thinking about God a lot because they had to do all these different things. And during a lot of the feasts and festivals, they were not allowed to work um, for at least you know, a day each time, but sometimes for Seven the entire days, yep. week. Exactly. And so that's a lot of time you have on your hands. You're not doing the work. Um, but I imagine that they were, you know, having fun and uh, enjoying uh, life together and life uh, knowing that, you know, God was with them that whole time. But so. you, that's a good point you brought up too, yeah. that the festivals were a way of focusing attention on God. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. All right. Aaron, yes. we have a random question for Ooh, Sharon. Yeah. So every week there's a random question. No one told me about no. a random question. That That's why it's random. That wasn't email. Emily, did you not tell her about the random question? Hey, you, you haven't talked at all on this podcast today. You need to say something. 
You don't have a she microphone. She didn't have a microphone. Okay. Well, Emily just said hello, everyone, that she loves you all very much. And she's excited to be directing this podcast. That's paraphrase. Okay. So, Sharon, random question. <clears throat> we just recently celebrated Groundhog Day. Have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Yes, I have. Bill Murray, right? Yes. And and he lives the same day over and over again, and he gets really good at some stuff that he tries on that same day. So if you could relive a one day over and over and over again, but you could only work on doing one thing and like become perfected, or if you could just snap your fingers and all of a sudden be very, very good at one talent or trade, what would that talent or trade be? And why? So... Ooh, okay, so I'm going to go back to something I said earlier and okay. the question you asked me about playing the organ. Ah. I would love to be able to play an instrument. Okay. I, I played the clarinet when I was in junior high school. All three years, loved it. Mm-hmm. In high school, I didn't have enough electives left over, so I, I couldn't be in the band anymore. Um, watching your daughter play the flute. Oh, yeah. I'd love yeah. to be able to play the flute. The organ, something. If I had time to just dedicate to perfecting one skill, what instrument? If you had to choose one, what would it be? Oh my gosh! Come on, you're on the spot. Um, this is the this is what the random um, questions all about. I'm gonna say the flute. All right, because it's nice. portable. What about you? It's what about you, Pastor? Let's just narrow it down to her, what she said. If you could play one instrument, you do not know now how to play. What would it be? Oh, I think I'd go with um, the drums. The drum. Emily, what would you play? An instrument, you already play a lot of instruments, but what if you could play one that you don't know how to play? The harp. Ooh, good one. I would play the contrabassoon. Why? It just sounds like a very antagonistic <laughs> instrument. I don't know. And just kind of fun, you know? And I'd change my mind. Okay. I'd want to play the guitar. Oh, guitar. Okay. I'd well, change my good. mind, too. A didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our time for today. If you have any questions or feedback or things you want us to talk about on this podcast, you can email your questions and comments to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Sharon, it's been awesome. And to people have are going to love you, Sharon, because you have rounded out Leviticus and finished it for us. Yay. And now they're going to be like, she's the one who gets us done with all the laws. Uh, <laughs> it's so like our own year time. of Jubilee. Yeah, absolutely. Our week of Jubilee. Glad to help. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Sharon. Thank you for having me. Good job, Pastor Alex. Thank you. All right, Peace. Emily, well done. Talk to y'all later. Bye.